Well, hey folks, Jeff Salzman here, and welcome to The Daily Evolver. It's Wednesday, April 20th, uh, 2022, and I am happy to be with you. And grateful, as always, to the folks at the Institute for Cultural Evolution for co-sponsoring this podcast with Integral Life, live on both of their platforms, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Mountain Time. I wanted to start by sharing a, uh, a speak pipe, it's called. It's on my website. If you want to leave me a voicemail, you can go there. And under the Connect tab, you'll see a way to record a voicemail message to me. And this is one from uh, an old uh, friend and listener, Roshana, who has a question about, you know, the world of climate doomism and post-doomism. And this is a movement that has grown sort of adjacent to and then diagrammed with the integral movement. And so I'm going to play her uh, question here and I'll do my best to answer it. So here's Roshana. I would love to hear your thoughts about collapse, the collapse of our civilization. You know, our friend uh, Michael Dowd um, is talking about this a lot with his new website, postdoom.com, I think it is. But anyway, the idea of postdoom, no gloom. We're all about gratitude loving the earth, loving our connections, helping people to die <laughs> in the best way possible, in the least painful way. But there's no turning back. I know uh, Terry Patton, you know, uh, had a glimmer of hope, uh, a, a tiny glimmer but our friend Michael Dowd and Connie Barlow and many other people are well beyond that. You know, no, it's, it's over. It, it's collapsing now. And we don't know if it'll take three months or three years or 30 years, but we're in the process right now and there's no possibility of turning back. I would love to have an episode on that or just hear your thoughts about it. All right. Well, thank you, Roshana. Let me just start by saying, <laughs> wow, I don't think I'm in that camp. I don't rule apocalypse and collapse out, uh, but I tend to think that humanity will muddle through. That's always my answer, and I'll unpack that all here directly. But let me first start with the biggest possible answer or frame with which to look at this. And that is that there is a basic polarity and religions often get to this really very explicitly that life is a dance of destruction and creation. Now we can see that over the long run, 13.8 uh, billion years, uh, creation wins out over destruction. I think that if the history of the cosmos and the history of humanity particularly continues, 
in its general basic trajectory, its teleology, that it will continue in its way. More creative than destructive, brutal and beautiful. I often say that evolution is beautiful, but not pretty. You know, one of the things I think that we're called on to wrap our heads and hearts around is this destructive aspect of life. In modernity, we tend to want to deny it, actually. But yet we feel it. <laughs> and this is where, you know, any sort of optimistic view, you know, tends to be a sign of a feeble mind, you know, that in most, most of society. Because we have to acknowledge fundamentally that life sucks. It does. It's, you know, the Buddhists, life is suffering. Christianity, we live in a fallen world. So that's a given. What we can also say from an evolutionary point of view is that it sucks less now than in the past and will probably suck less in the future uh, unless we completely derail ourselves, which is, again, I don't rule that out. Now, I, I come to this having had many hours, maybe hundreds of hours, certainly over a hundred hours of conversation with both Michael Dowd and Terry Patton on this issue. And in fact, there's an episode that I did with Terry a couple of years ago called Befriending the State of the World. Terry Patton and I take our perennial argument to the next level. So, you know, that was Terry and me. We, we made a, 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 a friendship out of it, you know. Uh, Terry thought we were going down the tubes. He was just convinced of it, you know, with the oceans and the fires and the droughts and the extinctions. And, you know, so that's him. And I'm on the other side with, you know, we're going to muddle through. We've got the fusion and the desalinization and the carbon capture and the genetic engineering. And, you know, I'm here with, you know, too many people are peddling fear. And Terry's too many people are peddling hope. <laughs> and I have to say, it's a funny thing, you know, these difference in worldviews, Terry and I both dear friends, taught together, you know, integral practitioners from the word go, and yet these, um, this, this difference in worldview actually mattered a lot. It, it colored the way we saw things and, you know, felt about things. And I have to say that particularly with Terry, after hundreds of cumulative hours of argument that essentially neither of us budged the other in terms of our basic perspective. And it's really something, it was impressive to both of us. What we did manage to do is we shifted the argument, so to speak, or we shifted the inquiry that we were doing with each other. And that is that we, got more curious about perspective taking itself. How we saw the world became less interesting. And the process of how did we come to see the world this way, each of us, became more interesting. And I often say it's, it's like you, you move from this position of how could you think that to, hmm, how could you think that? What dots are you connecting? And that's a really, uh, I, I, the, the older I get, the more I get that that's what I like to do. You know, I want to get into the world space 
of another person as best I can. And I'm, I'm, I'm more motivated to do that, that than I am to get them in my world space. I already know my world space. <laughs> Uh, but I want to know theirs. And, and Terry and I both, I, I think, you know, at a minimum, we could articulate the other's point of view, I think, very well and to each other's satisfaction. That's, that's an accomplishment. And so here's what I've learned from this doom, post-doom perspective, this collapse perspective. The, the main thing is that there's really just from a felt sense, there's something really good, true, and beautiful about it. You know, it, it's, a, it's a worldview that sees the sheer tragedy of this life, the destructive nature. That it, it sees that destructive side of the polarity. It doesn't look away. It sees a destruction of nature and the oceans and the atmosphere and the human greed and aggression and ignorance and all of the you know, cascading effects of that, the mines, the pollution. And they are called on to minister to that. Not just to heal it in the physical sense, but to grieve it and to find that territory beyond grief. And when I think about it, it reminds me of my chaplain training when I was in the Masters of Divinity program at Naropa. This is a Buddhist chaplain training that I did. And I remember when I started working at the Boulder Community Hospital and, and, and hospice and dealing with terminal and very sick dying patients, that the teaching was to be with them, to witness their suffering, to join with them to let them know they are being seen, to watch your own propensity to want to feel better. You know, their suffering causes your suffering. And so you don't want to deny their situation. Don't try to explain it away. And the ultimate teaching, I remember my one teacher hammering this, is that you want to let your heart be broken open so that it can engulf the space and hold both of you. And you know, that's what I would try to do. And, and the upside for me, <laughs> I, I, I hope there was one for them, but I can testify that there was one for me and that I would leave those ship shifts uh, just lit up. I mean, I'd maybe be, be with three or four patients and um, I would be just alive in a way that I hadn't been before the shift, let me put it that way. I've, I've talked numerous times on this podcast about how I had an anxiety disorder for about four years. And this was during my first, the first part of my MDiv program in, in the years preceding. And that that lifted uh, about two weeks into my chaplaincy. And I remember the moment I actually, actually, I was walking down the corridor of the hospital with my clipboard in my hand. And I realized that I was no longer anxious. And I also, strangely enough, I realized I was never going to be anxious in that same way again. And, and you know, 
that's that's some of the the the, the gifts of moving beyond tragedy, and um, and Michael Dowd actually talks about it on his. I, I checked out postdoom.com. That's the, their website, and boy, they got a lot of stuff going on there. I'd encourage you to check it out. He's got seventy or eighty interviews with people, and um, and just in the reading the copy on, on the website. He talked about, let me see here. He says, what shifts in perception, understanding, relating, and identity become possible when we walk through a post-doom doorway? How do priorities, lifeways, and outer world involvements shift and clarify on the other side? And how can such changes call forth genuine equanimity, even joy. Yeah, so I get that. That's, um, you know, big upside here. And do I think there is a completely fulfilling life of being called to do just that? And to serve, think this way, to feel this way, to act this way, to serve this way? Yes, I do. And I also think that in the grand scheme of things, that emergence may require that there are people who are operating from this space and doing this thing. And again, I'm more and more allowing, working on, <laughs> radically allowing other people's world space into my own, not to, so that one can defeat the other or colonize the other, but they, that they can both just be there you know, and in a way available to me in a new way. And that's, I, I think, one sort of anecdotal definition of integral consciousness. Another upside, I think, to this doom slash post-doom worldview is that it gets to a, a, another big truth of life. It's sort of this, that again, this on this destructive side of the polarity, and that is the truth of the apocalypse. You know, that first of all, each one of us is facing our own apocalypse. Our world is going to end in the way that we know it. We, we, that's the existential uh, anxiety of being human. We also know through science that the cosmos is going to end. I saw this YouTube, it's a long way out. <laughs> and we go through all sorts of machinations to get there, but it's going to and uh, some say in fire and some say in ice. I love that. That's a poem from Robert Frost. Um, so anyway, and we can see apocalypses everywhere, many apocalypses, Ukraine, uh, the beetle kill in the Ponderosa Pines just west of me on the way up to Netherland. It's heartbreaking. And it's a deep structure. It's a religious structure. Environmentalism is often critiqued by you know the opposition if you will as being a religion and it is in many ways it is it's the deep part of the human psyche is that we have sinned and fallen short we have sinned against nature we've sinned against god we must be punished we must repent that's all deep psychic structures in the human being and you know it's religious so sue me uh but that religious energy is part of being a human. And if we're lucky, we bring it to the work of our life. 
especially if, uh, well, let me just say that all, all the better when you are including the creative side of the equation, as well as the destructive side of the equation of the polarity. So that's all good. So then let's look at another issue, and that is the actual truth of global climate catastrophe. Um, you know, is, is it over no matter what? We have three months, maybe three years, maybe three decades. Um, <laughs> is there no hope? I, I see that uh, Dowd refers to hope as hopium. And, uh, you know, we shouldn't be, um, we shouldn't be taking hopium. And so is it a foredrawn conclusion? Is it going to happen? Um, you know, if you talk to Terry Patton or Michael, uh, you know, they would point you to a stack of books and websites and data that would conclusively support that view. To which I would reply, well, Elon Musk disagrees with you. Here's Elon's view of climate catastrophe in a new interview dropped earlier this week called A Future Worth Getting Excited About. Yeah, yeah. so um, I am not one of the doomsday people, which may surprise uh, I actually think we're on a good path. Um, so long as we are not complacent, as long as we are, have a high sense of urgency about moving towards a sustainable uh, energy economy, then I think things will be fine. The, the future's going to be great. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I hope I'm not being too tweaky, but you know, that there that has to be taken into account. I know Elon Musk is the devil to you know a lot of people, probably the post doomers, but there are a lot of people of good intelligence and good faith who disagree with that, and they're not deluded, they're not co opted, they're not evil. They use data and science. Robert Pilkey up here at CU. Uh, Michael Schellenberger with his book, Apocalypse, Apocalypse Never, uh, Bjorn Lundborg, many, many. And I know, again, these are, are denialists. They're both sidesists. And, you know, this is the downside of the religious uh, conviction of environmentalism. And let me read this quote. Here's another one from Matt Ridley. And this another, I think, is a, 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 is a devil to um, our environmental friends. Uh, but he says, the pessimists are right when they say that if the world continues as it is, it will end in disaster for all humanity. It's true. If all transport depends on oil and oil runs out, then transport will cease. If agriculture continues to depend on irrigation and aquifers are depleted, then starvation will ensue. But notice the conditional, if the world will not continue as it is. And that's the part that I want to uh, have online too, is the creative advance and novelty that seems to be this adventure of emergence and evolution and is certainly the nature of human beings. So, you know, it's all become very politicized and I'm not sure that's necessarily bad. I think that we do fight our way forward. I think we friend our way forward. 
I think finding the polarities is the way that we sort of define them so that we can get them clear for a new integration. So I'm, you know, as I often say, I'm, I'm not as down on the culture war as most people. And it's just the nature to me of the emerging integral space um, that we find ourselves moving into it, uh, you know, where we are just, there's just, I did an episode called Infinite Dots and Ways to Connect Them, that there's just so much online, there's so much to consider, so much information, so much data, so much coming online, uh, so much, you know, psychologizing and all of it, you know, what we are able to hold and have as human beings is exploding. And we, the best we can do is connect the dots in some way to tell some story about it that um, makes sense to us, sense-making, you know? So that's what we do. And, um, you know, I connected my dots and I'm trying to see other people's ways of connecting them. And, you know, there we are. So anyway, Talk about some of the upsides of this post-tragic view. And let me talk a little bit about the downside. One is that, you know, they've been wrong <laughs> over and over and over again. And, you know, I don't know if it's killer bees or peak oil or the population explosion or, you know, I've lived through all of it. And I have to say, I was susceptible to all of it. And what cured me was Y2K. And those of you who are old enough to remember when the clocks turned to the year 2000, that there was going to come crashing down all of civilization. I mean, it was remarkable. The seminars and experts and shows on the media and... and, um, because the computers couldn't handle the 2000. You remember that? And I remember that uh, my partner and I were building a house at the time, and we were very much back and forth on should we bury a generator in the backyard so when the grid goes down, we have electricity and there are roving bands of white people, um, you know, moving through Boulder and menacing us. You know, I had another, a friend who called me and she said, it was maybe a week or two before Y2K. And she said, you know, if you want to come stay with us, you can, I have a gun. And I have to say, I took it seriously. I considered it. And then (laughs) the clock struck 1201 or whatever in the year 2000. And what happened? Nothing, nothing. I I don't remember anything. Maybe something, maybe the ATM screwed up. I don't know. But it was nothing like what it was said to be. And, and we just got on with life, you know, sort of forgot about it. So, you know, I have a allergy to what I often refer to here as the fear industrial complex. You know, this is the media, the intelligentsia, people who are getting grants, um, scientists, the, the religion of environmentalism. There's, there's actually a backlash against that that is credible, I think, now, and even seen as credible by most people. Uh, but, you know, again, welcome to human evolution and, and fighting our way forward. 
Uh, one other downside I would point to is that um, it's depressing. You know, I know it, when you get to post-doom, there's a new light at the end of the tunnel there. You know, I talked about that. But that's not where most people are, particularly young people. And I am bummed. I'm depressed by seeing the young teenagers just uh, feel like, you know, there's no hope left, that they, they don't want any hopium, and that uh, they're not going to be able to live uh, fruitful adult lives. Again, it's, it's the, the downside of the religious view. I, I remember when I was a kid, uh, there were plenty of kids going through this to this day, but <laughs> I and my, my friends who went to Catholic school, we were raised that there was going to definitely be hellfire and damnation. Um, maybe we would get away with it if we repented and we were good, but for sure, you know, they're going to hell. It's funny, uh, you know, doom is just a, you know, it, it, it's part of the human collective space, again, for good reasons, as I talked about before. But with that said, people tend to live their own lives as if there's going to be a bright tomorrow. And I hope so. Because again, destruction, yes, brutal, ugly, painful, heartbreaking, yes. Ugh. And creation, you know, we want to be able to hold and embrace them both. So thank you everybody for tuning in. And um, again, sign up for Integral Life. Uh, it's well worth it. Uh, uh, check out the Institute for Cultural Evolution and all the great stuff they're doing over there. Uh, their new publication, The Developmentalist, and um, support them. You know, these are people doing good work and I certainly do and appreciate them supporting me. So thanks for listening. Jeff Salzman, Daily Evolver, signing off. See you next week.